are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. You know, I remember... I remember in my life when I first gave my heart to Jesus, and um, you know, I think a lot of us remember that time, you know, how fired up for God we were and this kind of a stuff, but what I remember is I remember in, walking into a, a youth service one day, and there was a guy there that, that reminds me of John Camp, you know, and, and this guy comes over and he says, hello, Brother Lance, how are you? And I'm like, Brother Lance, who's Brother Lance? And he's like, hey, brother and sister and sister so-and-so and da-da-da-da, I'm like, this guy is weird. Like, I've never heard this before in my life. So he's just kind of going on and on and on. Then he leaves the room. And when he left the room, I was with another guy. And I'm like, like, like what's, his, what's his deal? Like, what's going on there with this guy? And, he said, and the guy says to me, I don't, don't forget, he says to me, he says, you know what, don't worry about that guy. He's too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And I'm just like, I have no idea what that means. And then I, and I went and I started thinking about it. And how many people have heard that? You know, that, that guy, that girl, they're, they're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. You know, how many people have heard that statement before? Okay, a few of us have. And um, I think that that is something that kind of creeped in there that's just kind of like, you know, to, 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 to explain maybe a fanatical person. Someone who's just like, hey, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And um, as, I, as I got down there and I started thinking about it, I really realized that that is a complete lie from the enemy. That, you know, that somebody who is just so in love with Jesus is not too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. In fact, they can be so earthly good because they're being led by the Spirit. We've had been talking in the last little while here about being Christ-centered, Spirit-led. In the last three messages, I've talked about being Christ-centered, and today I would like to focus on that part, being Spirit-led, the actual, the role of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that God has given you absolutely everything that you need to succeed in life? Oh, I don't think you're getting that. Do you know that God has given you everything that you need to be able to succeed in life? Everything, period. For as heirs in the Lord, he sets us up to be overcomers. He gives us freedom and divine hope. He's given us a divine favor. Yet it's the world's best kept secret. I think as Christians, we walk around sometimes like just kind of like, oh my goodness, we, 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 we get so entrenched with fear. We get so entrenched with anxiety and, and stress and depression and all this kind of stuff that it's kind of like God is like, there's a period there. I've given you everything. Do you know when fear and anxiety and, and depression and all that kind of stuff entered? My guess is that that entered into the world when Satan was pushed out of heaven. See, Satan was a created being. And as Satan was a created being, he was in charge of worship in the Lord. And he got to that place where he allowed pride to get in there. And then he had a whole bunch of angels starting to follow him, where the Lord kicked him and one-third of the angels out of heaven. And when that happened, all of a sudden, he knows what his future is. The devil knows what his future is, and that would immediately bring forth fear. It would bring forth anxiety. It would bring forth bitterness, hatred. And when all of a sudden we start flowing in these, these, these things that kind of come upon us, is it the Lord who's put that on us? Absolutely not. 
For the Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but that of love, of power, and sound mind. So when we're in that place and we're all of a sudden a, a fear starts to rise up or anxiety starts to rise up, we need to be able to say, you know what, 1 Peter 5, 7, Lord, I cast all my cares, all my anxieties upon you for you care for me, God. Lord, I don't want to walk with this blanket upon me, God, because it's not from, from you, God. It's from the enemy, Lord Jesus. So I need to walk in the freedom that you've given me as a believer, as an heir in Christ. You know what, if you're here and you struggle with that kind of stuff, we have to make a personal choice. I'm not going to allow that in here. You know, I, I remember uh, meeting um, in Banff this, this year with, um, what's that guy's name, Sin? The guy from Banff? Jack Hayford. You know, Jack Hayford, I think he's 86 years old now. He's written a whole bunch of hymns and just an amazing man of God. And someone brought up a question to him and said, you know, Jack, do you ever deal with depression? Do you ever deal with that? And he goes, you know what? I'm glad you asked me that question. I do. And he says, and what I do is as soon as I start to feel heaviness come upon me, as soon as I start to feel this kind of anxiety come upon my, my person, you know what I do? I worship the Lord. I go and I say, no, 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 no. Anxiety, you have no place in me. Fear, you have no right here. And he says, I go into the presence of God, and I don't stop until that's broken. And I'm sitting there as, uh, what's that? And, and he says that about once a month, he has to go to that place where it's just kind of like he locks himself in a, in, into his prayer closet and says, I need to worship the Lord. I need to do that. You know, the Bible says that we need to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is a spirit that is called heaviness that comes upon us, and then we have a choice to make. Do we want to entertain that? Do we want to deal with it and just say, oh, it's just a blue day, and oh, I'm just feeling bad, or oh, this is just happening. Oh, man, I might as well eat worms. Or do we want to sit in that place and say, no, 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 no. I am not going to let, allow that spirit to activate in me, but I'm going to put on the garment of praise, and I'm going to worship myself out of the pit right now in Jesus' name. In order for us as believers not to just get through it, this journey here on earth, but thrive in our journey, the Lord has given us an amazing gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. John 16 says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve me because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I don't go away, then I, uh, if, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I don't go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sins and of God's righteousness on the coming judgment. See, I love this verse. The disciples, put yourself again in the disciples' shoes. They've walked with Jesus. They're walking with him every single day. And he says, you know what? I'm going to be with the Father. And they start to grieve like, no, no, don't leave us. We want you. We like, we like breaking bread with you. We like, we like going to sleep and talking about stories around the campfire and waking up and you encouraging us and being that place there. But he's like, you know what? You're grieving about it, but it would be better for you if I go because that's when I can send the advocate. When we get to that place where we step into relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4.15, 4, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. See, upon confession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, immediately receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3.14 says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we, our believers, might receive the promised spirit through faith. I think we don't understand that as Christians. 
Every single one of us here who have walked in that place and said the Lord's Prayer, the Holy Spirit is residing in you. You have it all. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's a gift from the Lord. Boom. You've got it. Now, there's difference between the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks, being filled with the Spirit, walks to the desert where he is tempted by, by the devil, and he fasted for 40 days. And after that fast, the Bible says that he leaves in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's when some crazy miracles start to happen. See, we need to be in that place where we're just like, okay, I know I have the Holy Spirit. I know that God is in me. And Lord, I just want what you want from my life. I want, Lord Jesus, to be able to step into the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's through prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord, saying, God, prepare my heart for what is coming up. But you know what? I think that we don't understand that every single believer, when we walk in that place, the Holy Spirit is already evident, resonating inside of our spirit. So then what's the role of the Holy Spirit? See, Jesus told the disciples that he would send the Spirit into the world to convict the world of guilt in regarding to sin and righteousness and judgment. When we're born from the beginning, we were created to worship and walk in relationship with the Lord. Do you know that every single one of us in this world were born to have relationship with God the Father? His will is for no one to perish. But then as we grow, I think sometimes we can harden our hearts and we can make decisions that will push us away from the Lord. You know what, maybe we've said statements like, oh man, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my husband, my wife is so hardened towards the Lord that it'll take a miracle to be able to break that. But yet the Holy Spirit's role, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring forth that conviction to show people that, you know what, you're set right now on an eternity without God. I think, again, sometimes we take that role as believers unto ourselves. You know what, I'm going to nag you into the kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ride you so hard that you are not go- you're, you're not going to hear the end of it until you say, okay, I, I confess, I need God in my life. That's not our role. Our role is to be able to share our testimony. Do you know there's light in your testimony? There's life in your testimony. Man, every one of us has a testimony. But again, I think some of us don't understand the power of our testimony. They'll know who we are by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's important. It's our story. It's God's story, what he's done in your life. You know, comedian Tim Hawkins, if you've never seen him, you've got to watch some of his clips on YouTube or something or get some of his videos. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever seen in my life. But one of the things that he kind of makes fun of is the testimony. He says, you know, have you ever noticed that someone goes up and shares their testimony and, and, and you're watching that as a believer and you're just like, wow, that's such an awesome testimony. Oh, man, I wish I was addicted to crack. <laughs> you know, he kind of walks in that place. You know, I, I remember taking a, a youth over to, um, actually, you know what, Lynn, it was, it was to our very first mission trip to Toledo. And when I went down to Toledo with this young girl, her and I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled and wrestled because she's like, you know what, I don't have a testimony. You know what, you guys are so gifted in drama. Man, I can't do drama. Some of us went over there and we did some songs and that kind of stuff that she couldn't sing to save her life. And she's like, God's given me nothing. It's like, you know what, if your testimony is that you were raised in the church and that you've always known Christ all your life, that is an amazing testimony of God. Because God has protected you and put you in this little place 
to be able to keep you from harm. Man, you know what? I got things in my life. And I think that's one of the things that people say is, you know, Pastor, you're so transparent. You know, you share, you share your, your successes, but you also share your failures. Why do you do that? You know why I do that? Because if I can help one person who has been in that place where I've been, not to go down that journey, then praise God. If they can learn from my story, if they can learn from my failures, if you can hear something and be like, you know what, that's the road I'm on right now, and that road leads to death. I know it leads to death, but that's confirmation right there. I need to stay away from that. My God, I wish I had a testimony that was just like I was raised in the church and I was, I was spared from all kinds of things. But yet we hear these testimonies. We hear what God is doing. We hear the restoration period. And see, what happens is right now, the story that is in your life, the story that is being written right at this very second, it's not the end of the book. It's just a chapter. See, where you are right now, don't, don't put the end. But it's just kind of like, you know what? The season that I'm in right now is a hard season. But praise God, he's going to get me through this. You know, I see Calden at the back there, and Calden is, is fairly new from BC, and, and uh, we started to develop a bit of a friendship, and, and, and uh, Calden told me a story about, about his son when his son passed away. And I was just thinking, like, man, God, like, how, how could, how could the, the story that, that is in there, Lord, how could a family just stay strong through that, Lord? And then you hear what God has done. You hear what the Lord is doing, and it's just like, Calvin, bless you. I can never share that story because it hasn't happened to me. But yet there's other people in this room who've lost significant loved ones who are having such a hard time dealing with grief that all of a sudden a testimony like that is released. It's just kind of like, if there's hope for him, there's hope for me. Because God is sufficient. God is able. And God is willing Have you ever seen a movie where the jury is swayed to condemn a person guilty and the defense brings up a surprise last witness and the jury is totally swayed? Don't ever underestimate the power of your testimony. The Bible says God has set eternity in the hearts of man. And when you speak of the change from your old life into the peace of the new life, you now have your testimony pulls out the part of their hearts and it says, that's it. That's what we're looking for. That's what I need. You know, I was... I was talking with, um, with Jarl uh, last week. I went hunting with Jarl. And Jarl and I were in his truck, and he was telling me his testimony. And I said to Jarl, I said, Jarl, that, that's really cool. He goes, you know what, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> he says, you know, I don't want anybody to really know about my old life. And I said, you know what, Jarl? Don't have that attitude. Because there is hope in your old life because you're not that old person anymore. You're a new creation. And what God has done, when you speak, when you speak out your testimony, there's going to be people who were right where you are, and they're going to hear that and say, you know what, there's hope for you. And he's like, yeah, well, you know what, maybe you're right, maybe one day. And then all of a sudden, I, I, a day or two later, I called up. I said, you know that testimony that you shared with me? Yeah, I want you to share it on Sunday. He's like, oh, come on, I just told you not to share it with anybody. So... Uh, Yarl, thanks for your willingness and your openness. And uh, why don't you share your testimony with us? No, go ahead. Where's the microphone? Is it around here somewhere? All right. Every time Lance said testimony, for the last five minutes there, my heart started pounding in my chest there. I'm like, hey, get to it already. <laughs> I'm, just set, I'm just setting you up. I'm setting the stage for you, buddy. 
Well, I only I did do this once, and it was. Uh, I hope this goes better because I kind of broke down a bit. It was in Jamaica, and something just compelled me. We were in a Pentecostal church on vacation, and it didn't go as good as I had hoped. But I hope it spoke to someone there, and I'll try it again here today. So I'm going to start by just reading uh, a verse that's, you know, one of the. I know a few verses I've been trying to memorize, but this one just sticks to me. So it's Psalm 95. I'm going to start at verse, the end of verse 7, and it says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the tri- day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, even though they saw my works. For years I was grieved with that generation. I'm going to jump to verse 11 here, and it says, So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. And that just always speaks to me every time I hear it, to not be afraid, and I guess that's why I'm doing this. So I hope that speaks to you as well. So I've got my notes here on ISO paper. It's a pipe fitter for you. <laughs> okay. So my name's Jarl. Uh, I've been going to this church for about, uh, I guess, 13, 14 months. I've been a Christian since... Yes, August, the year before, uh, and my wife Chelsea here, she's my beautiful wife, she's, we're going to have a child here in March, and uh, I guess I'll start back when I was a little kid. I grew up and I used to go to a Bible camp in church, and I was the kid that, you know, could memorize all the verses the quickest, right, and so I was, I was fairly involved with it, and then when I was, uh, I guess my parents were, uh, my mom was raised in a Christian home, and my dad was not raised in a Christian home, and they came together, and we had gone to church, and that's kind of the upbringing I had. At 13, my brother died tragically beside me, and he was one year younger than me. And I think from that moment on, uh, things kind of changed not just in my life, but in our family life. And I don't know if our, my parents blamed each other or what, but I think that as the years went on, they grew apart, had different views on issues, and didn't notice, you know, take the time to notice, you know, what was going on in my life. And so as I grew up as a young teen and started rebelling, there wasn't a lot of proper discipline, I guess, and I just grew away from the church and started doing my own thing. I always thought that, I guess I always managed things on my own, and that was probably my biggest flaw, that I could, always thought I could take care of things. When I was, the beginning of grade 12, my dad was involved in a pretty serious accident. He was in intensive care for three months, and when he came out is when my mom, you know, told him, and then in turn told all of us that, you know, for the past three years, she had been seeing someone else, and like for my dad, it just broke his world. Uh, it, my world came apart. I don't know if any of you guys have been through divorces, but it just everything you know it basically comes apart. So it's uh, it was tough, and I held a lot of uh, anger against my mother for doing it, and I. You know, I had to, my dad was just sorting things out for himself with the whole issue, so 
I was on my own, you know, at 17, 18, I, 17 years old, I went out on my own. I was, uh, again, I always had this mentality that I could manage things for my own and for myself, and that's what I started doing. I, uh, I just, you know, I got, throughout high school, I started, you know, I would drink a lot, and I did a lot of drugs, and I, you know, objectified women. As a young man, I guess when I was probably about 16, I met the man that I was named after, and he was a pastor at the time, but he was, he had a book about what he had done in or his past, and it was all about divinations, and that, for a young kind of person, was the wrong book, and so as I was a young man, you know, I, I was always making money, I was also dabbling a lot in in some pretty scary stuff, um, a lot of the occult, and I guess uh, at 20 years old, I, had, you know, I did succeed. I became a journeyman, and I think this was a huge problem in my life because I was, you know, I was 20. I did whatever I want. It didn't seem to have many consequences because I always thought my, I was smarter than everyone else, and uh, I had a violent temper, you know lots of money and, and a Harley. <laughs> and I hung around a bad crowd. I was, you know, I was selling a lot of drugs and I was just living a bad life. I was, you know, all varieties of crimes. and it was, it was a scary time in my life. I'll just say, in, when you think of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that he gives, it's not... It's not hard for me now to relate and to feel the presence of God, especially in this building, because I felt the presence of the enemy strong in my life. So I can tell you that in this church, God is here every Sunday when he speaks to my heart and he starts breaking down the stones and the the walls I put in, and he does that every Sunday. So um, I guess I was... 24 when I met Chelsea I was living in Calgary and I wasn't a very good person when I met her but I knew that she was special it was clear to me and it was a gift from God uh, little by little she changed she changed me you know she I didn't want to not be with her so I had to give a little here and give and and as our relationship progressed um, I gave, you know, I, I became a better man. I wasn't living as a Christian, and Chelsea wasn't living as a Christian, but God was using her more as an ambassador than, you know, a lot of people, I, you know, that I've crossed paths with. And and I do believe that that was a gift from God. At that same time, when I met Chelsea, a friend of mine, Paul, I guess this is one of the reasons why I felt compelled to come up here, because it was about a year ago, to the day that I got baptized here and Paul was up on the stage with me there and he was down this weekend hunting and it just <laughs> you know it, it just spoke to me that yeah I gotta I gotta do this so anyway Paul was living pretty much just as rotten of a life as I was and he had a, a life-changing episode where he was just lost and like no matter you know he was su- successful he was extremely successful and uh, just the drugs and all the the way he was living didn't 
didn't amount to anything. And it was after a broken relationship that he wanted. He stumbled into a church and heard a message about the Apostle Paul. And it just crushed his spirit or his, his wall inside and just changed his life. And he is in his, I think his fourth year of Bible school right now. And he's about to become a pastor. He's given his first actual sermon next Sunday. And we're supposed to go attend. Anyway, he did the service for me in Chelsea. And when he started changing, I guess that's something that I noticed. Because as a young man, I didn't have the influences in my life where there were strong men that I could look up to to tell me that, hey, or to, not to just to look up to, I guess, is more than anything. In my case, someone probably should have put me in a headlock and said, hey, what are you doing? But no one did, and I, uh, I continued to live the life I did. Even when I had met Chelsea, I, uh, I progressed with my life, and I continued to have you know great successes in my work, and I... Uh, I lived, you know, I made, I guess, ridiculous money at this jobs that I was doing. I was a consultant, and I thrived on the power. I thought that I was basically invincible. You know, I had given up. I thought, you know, you know, if I talked to people, I'd given up my bad past. You know, I wasn't a Christian, but I thought I would had it together, and I was good. And there was a, a really bad violent fight I got into with a bunch of people up there and I didn't think much of it until I got called into Calgary and I met with the board of directors and they removed me from my position and that I thought was impossible to because even at that event I had the engineers had wrote letters everyone had thought I thought I had it in the bag and I my job was taken from me this was last spring, not spring, 2010 spring. So then weeks had gone by, two weeks. I was getting, okay, I can handle this. There's lots of work. I'm a, you know, I'm a journeyman, and I got trade tickets. I've got experience. And then four weeks went by, and I started getting worried. And then six weeks, you know, I'm starting to, why can't I find this job that I'm looking for? And my friend Micah had phoned me. And he was my best friend growing up. And he phoned me and he said, hey, Jarl, I know you're looking for a job. I, uh, I think I have one up here. They're doing a bunch of pipeline and we need someone to come work. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're going to get together and we can party like old times. And, and Micah said, no, Jarl, uh, that's kind of the other reason I'm calling. I had given my life to the Lord and I was hoping that, you know, you'd be an encouragement for me and a friend. And that moment... It was almost like when I found out that my parents were getting divorced, but the opposite. It just crushed me inside, and I just knew it was just a clear, clear message from God that like, no matter how much you try and manage your, the things that you're doing, I'm in control. Look what I can do. <laughs> you know, here, here's your job back. Go and start straightening out. And that summer, I got... Uh, an, I had a good friend of mine, he was Micah's older brother, Josh, and he came over and he shared his testimony and he had just given himself wholly over to the Lord and he he's such a strong person. If you ever get to meet my friend Josh, and I just couldn't 
deny the testimony, and it had spoke to me. It was right; at the, it all happened in time, and and I uh, I started reading my Bible again. I'd been given a Bible at 18 years old. I packed it around with me in boxes for a lot of years, and then it came out of the box, and I started opening the daily breads that my Baba had given me religiously every year, every four months. I think they come out, and I started reading those again. When we started attending the church here, and you know, my life has just been blessed so, so dramatically. It's amazing. Um, I guess, uh, in summary, uh, there's going to be, you know, there's there's different stories that people will say, but the men, especially the strong, well, all the men are strong, but we need to be examples to the people and in our lives. It doesn't matter, and this is one of the stands that I try and take with the people that I meet and the guys I work with, a lot of young guys, you know, in the oil patch, and there's a lot of bad influences, just want to be the type of man that they look up to. Because I, when I was growing up, I didn't have those guys. And uh, I guess that's, that's everything, Lance. Thanks. Thanks, Cheryl. John 14, 26 says, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you and remind you of everything that I have told you. The Holy Spirit is also our teacher. To be led by the Spirit, you need to know the Lord's voice. You know what? How can we know the Lord's voice? The best way to know the Lord's voice is by reading the Word of God, meditating on it, and living the truth. The Bible is a book that we can read through, through, over and over again, and still get more and more and more out of it. You know, I think that we have to be very careful as believers because sometimes the Bible says in the end times many will fall away with false teachings and we, we sort of listen to things that kind of sound interesting. It's kind of like, yeah, that's, that's really cool and then we run and we start following that. But then as we look at the word, it's kind of like, you know what, that's not what the word says and the word has to be our authority. The word has to be that, that plumb line in our life. Sermons are great. I believe in encouraging and edifying the body through preaching. In fact, responding to a spoken message is still one of the highest percentage of ways people begin a commitment to Christ. But nothing should ever replace your own study of the Word of God. Not preaching, not good teaching books, not, not even inspirational quotes on Facebook. If you're busy, they have the Bible available on CD and electric, uh, uh, electric readers, etc. Well, maybe you're in this place and you're like, you know... Uh, I want to be able to, I, I, I read the Bible, but you know, I, don't, I have such a terrible uh, memory. I don't remember what I had for breakfast today, never mind the Bible and, and, and when opportunities come by. You know what, the second part of that, verse 26 says, the Holy Spirit will bring back to remembrance, that's what he's promised to you. You put the info in and when you need it, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will reach in and pull it out. It is so amazing to me that sometimes you're visiting someone in the hospital or something like that, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you start speaking words kind of like, you know what, I don't even remember reading that. And then you look back, and you're like, oh, that's so awesome, God. You know, it just kind of comes forth. It just comes, uh, comes through to be able to, to drop that, those words of encouragement towards people. How many people here, like, again, just to, to, to try to have that open, open sense, you know what, it just, it's a world of chaos, and sometimes you just feel like you're, you're living a chaotic life. You know, just raise your hand. It's just like, God, how do, how do I do this, God? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. John 14, 16, he says, and he will give you another comforter that may abide with you forever. 
one of the most known attributes of the Holy Spirit is the role of comforter. You know, it's so sad that a, a troubled generation does not receive comfort and peace from the Holy Spirit. This scripture comes to mind not that you have because you, not because you have not asked, but because you have not asked. There's so much power in our words. It's not easy to say, well, God knows everything about me, so it's just, it's just okay. When we live in that world of chaos, we need to have the Holy Spirit to be able to comfort us, to be able to come alongside, to be able to breathe life into our spirit. You know, I say to Cindy sometimes, I'm just like, you know what, honey, I don't know what it is. I'm just so tired. Like, I don't know, maybe I haven't been exercising. Maybe I haven't been spending some time in prayer. Like, what's going on right now? Or I just feel really lethargic. It's like i got to press into the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, God? Your word says that I will receive a strength, that I'll be able to run and not grow weary. I'll be able to walk and not faint. Lord, I just need to rely upon you. I need to trust in you because when we don't trust that's when the, the, the plug comes out and that, that energy just starts to fall out of the bottom. We need to say, you know what, the situation that I'm in right at this very moment, I don't like it very much. It's not a very good situation to be in, but God, I trust you. You're my comforter. You know who I am. You know the situation that, I, that I'm going through. And Lord, your word says, I know the plans I have for you, say the Lord. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. It's all part of our inheritance to boldly come into his presence, broken, but then leave whole. Psalms 18.6 says from the message, I cry to God to help from his palace and he hears my call. My cry begins to bring me right into his presence, a private audience. You know what? If you know me and you've been around this time, you've heard my story, but it's always my story. There was that time in my life for 10 years that my wife and I couldn't have kids. And I can honestly say before you that was the most difficult time in my life. Because there was times when I would get so angry with God, saying, God, you say you love me. You, you keep bringing me this promise, telling me that this is going to happen. But it's been 10 years, God. I don't want to be uh, uh, Abraham. I don't want to be 90 with a little baby, God. Like, Lord, please. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I would get to that place like, fine, you know what, God? You don't want to give me kids, no problem. I'm going to take all my money and I'm going to travel and I'm going to enjoy life and I couldn't care less about you or anything else. And then there's times where I would just weep and I would weep and weep and weep and say, God, why don't you love me, God? Why don't you care for me, God? You know what, being that youth pastor, all of a sudden a, a teen girl would come up and it'd be like, you know what, pastor, I just found out I'm pregnant. It's kind of like, really? Oh, man, I wish that was my wife. Why does that happen to other people, Lord? You know, this person here who just came up to me, they just said they don't want that to happen. And God, I desire it so much. See, when that kind of stuff happens, we need to have that comforter in our life. Because we're not going to understand every situation that we go through. And I think the difference between maturity and an immaturity is an, is an immature Christian says, why God? God, why are you doing this to me? Is, 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 you're doing this because you don't love me. But a maturity in the spirit stands in that place and says, God, this is awful. I don't like this, God, but I trust you. I trust that you have me right here, God. And Lord, I'm not going to come against you. I'm not going to speak death into my own life. 
but God, I'm going to trust you that, God, you're going to take me through this because, Lord, your word says you're going to take me through this. Do you see the difference? There's been times in my life where I've doubted God and I've said, God, what's going on here? And I've gone through that that whole way. But you know what? It's much better as I'm maturing, as I'm developing, as I'm growing to say, God, you are awesome, Lord. And Lord, this situation is awful, but God, I trust. We need to be followers of the way. In the New Testament, we find that Christians were first known as followers of the way. The New Bible Dictionary supports this when it says that the way is the oldest designation for Christians. Such a name pinpoints the essence of Christianity. Christ said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, one of the biggest lies the enemy wants you to believe is that you don't hear God's voice. You know, I don't know how many times I've, I've walked with people just like, you know what, I don't, I don't hear God's voice. You know, I don't hear God like you do, Pastor. I don't be able to do this. And it's just kind of like, you know what, let me ask you a question. How many people in this room are here right at this very moment? Half of you. Come on. How many people are here right now? Everybody who's put their hand up, you hear the voice of God. Because you're here. You came. You, you stepped out of that place. It's snowing outside. I wanted to stay home. I was like, I can't get out of my driveway. I got this much snow on it. If you're here, you must have heard something somewhere, somehow. And if that's all you've ever heard, it's the Lord's pull on your heart. It's a start and you can trust that he's got more to say to you. You know what? You're not going to learn to swim with one toe in the water. You've got to jump in. One of my great friends is, is Gordon Clark. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I always say to Gord, hey, let's go, let's go hunting or let's go do this kind of stuff. And, and, and he's a sissy. You know, he, he's, not, he's, he's, not into, he's not into hunting. So, uh, so... Um, but one thing that Gord is into, I, oh, I took a bear hunting one time, and oh, that was awful. You have to ask him the story. It's not, it's, it, I don't have time to tell you today. But, uh, but one thing that Gord loves to do is go in the hot tub. So Gord, Gord and I go in the hot tub all the time, and, and we'll go in the hot tub, and it'll be, it'll be minus 30, and the two of us will put ABBA on and go in the hot tub, a couple of guys, and, and listen to ABBA. I probably shouldn't tell that story, should I? Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and I, like, it's minus 30, and, and you, know, you, you know, you run out, and you jump in the hot tub, and then all of a sudden, Gord comes out, <laughs> and he's always like, it's like, come on, man, get in the tub, it's minus 30 out there, and you got your shorts on, and then he gets in the tub, and he puts one foot in, and he's just like, oh, and then he just puts his feet in, and he stands up on the step, and then he just sort of reaches over and takes the water and starts splashing his knees. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in the hot tub where it's warm. Like, dude, it's minus 30 and you're, whoo, whoo, you know, splashing yourself. He's like, well, it's so hot. I don't know how you can just jump in. I got to prepare my body for this. I'm like, dude, you're strange. We won't learn to swim. Unless we jump in. You know, I had a, a friend of mine one time. Um, I don't, you may have heard of him. He's an evangelist, a well-known evangelist. His name is John Raymer. 
And John Raymer is a guy who knows the Holy Spirit like none that I've ever seen before. And I walked up to John. I said, John, I've got to ask you a question. I know Jesus. I know God. But I don't know Holy Spirit. How do I get to know the Holy Spirit like you know Holy Spirit? He says, Lance, you have to have communion with him. And I said, okay. So I went home and I, and I had communion. I started taking communion. And then I really felt the presence of the Lord. It's like, you know what? It's not communion as in the juice and the cracker. It's communion as in relationship. You know, it's walking in that place where we say, okay, Lord, if I, when I accepted Christ in my spirit, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, if the Holy Spirit immediately goes inside of here, then, Lord, he's wanting to speak to me. He's wanting to have a relationship with me. And I need to have an ear open to be able to listen to what the Spirit is saying. I need to know the word to make sure that that, that that word lines up with the word because if it doesn't, it's not the Holy Spirit. And I need to walk in that place of an adventure where it's just kind of like, God, will you bring me to a place that Christianity is not boring? Man, God, you're going to do some amazing things in my life when I get to that place of totally trusting you. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that the rewards for them who earnestly seek him. James 1, 6 says, But when we ask, we must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of a sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know what, my friends? I think there's too many Christians on the waves that are just getting tossed back and forth and back and forth. Yeah, I love God. No, I don't know if I love God. Yeah, I'm just, I, oh, I don't know. And, and we just get blown back and forth. And there's got to be that, that time where it's like enough is enough is enough. God is more than able. But like I was talking about last week, there has to be something inside that says, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I want to give you my everything. I want to just lay it all out on the table, God. Lord, I'm going to declare that. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall short of your glory. But Father God, I'm going to be dedicated to who you are. Because I am a believer. I am a follower of the way. you got to believe that God is good. He doesn't pull punches. He doesn't play mind games. Someone needs to know today that he doesn't just love you, he also likes you. He says, if you who are wicked know how to give good gifts, how much more do I? He is for you, and he's for you, and he's for you, and he's for you in Jesus' name. How do I know that? Because of those three little miracles. Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They remind me every single day of his faithfulness. They remind me every, every single day that the promises of God are yes and amen. They remind me every single time I look at them how faithful and how wonderful God is. And you know what? I want to share something. I don't have time to share this, but I'm going to share it anyways. I'm sorry. Liberty is an extra special gift. Do you know why? Because every single time when I would get to that place of like, God, you don't love me, or God, what's going on? Lord, why are you doing this to me? Every time God would send somebody into my life, someone who I don't know and would walk up to me and say, you know what, I just, I hope you don't mind, but I just really believe that the Lord's telling me that you're going to have a baby. And it would be just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it got to the place where somebody, I would start to feel like that and somebody would come up and say, you know what, I got something to tell you. And I'd be just like, shut up, I don't want to hear it because I know exactly what you're going to say. I'm not listening. There's Libby. 
And every single time that the word is given, I would just kind of say, you know what, whatever, whatever. And then one day we had a lady who, again, who I never met before in my life. She came up to me and she says, can I ask you a question? I'm like, here we go again. And she says, do you have children? I'm like, oh, this one's different. I'm like, no, I don't. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, really. She goes, are you sure? I'm like, <laughs> pretty sure. And she says, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. She says, I just saw so clearly a picture of a boy and a girl. And I just... I just, really, I just really saw a boy and your girl in, a light, in your life, and I just knew that you, got, that you were a father. And then all of a sudden when we found out that, she said actually a girl and a boy, all of a sudden we found out that Cindy was pregnant, Mackenzie was born, our first daughter. And then 15 months uh, later, um, she became pregnant with Lucas. Or no, she gave birth to Lucas. And, um, and it's kind of like there, that's the fulfillment of the promise. Because now we have our girl and our boy and some of the, our friends who knew us really well, all of a sudden when we found out that we were pregnant with Libby, said, wait a minute. That wasn't the word. You're stepping out of the will of God right now. And I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes people see in part. They saw a boy and a girl which came into 100% truth. But that's as far as they saw beyond that. This was just a little kiss from the Lord. My friends, that's for every single one of us. Holy Spirit is wonderful. I don't have time this morning to be able to go into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but read about them. Sometimes when life happens, we can struggle with the six Ds. Disappointment, displacement, despair, disapproval, discouragement, and disagreements. But in maturity and saying to, uh, going to that place of why God, we need to re- respond with, God, I know the plans f- uh, uh, you have for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. The enemy will defeat you if he can steal your hope. As believers of the way, there's always hope. Right now in your life, this is not the end chapter. This is just the middle, uh, just a chapter in your book. We must find the opposite of the circumstance in the presence of God and allow Holy Spirit to lead us. We need to follow the Holy Spirit into favor of finding your place, acceptance, hope, courage, reconciliation, love, peace, etc. Isaiah 58, 8 says, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Even if you have a spiritual problem, you won't ever fix it with anything but Holy Spirit. Maybe it's time to invite Holy Spirit to lead. Team, would you come? And I just ask, would everybody stand to their feet this morning with me? Perhaps you're here this morning and you've been listening to a lie. God, what have I done in my life to make you so mad at me? Or Lord, in my life I've been dealt a raw deal. Would you allow Holy Spirit to be your comforter? Get it in the word. Start off with Psalms 139, where you understand he is totally 100% crazy about you. As the worship team just starts to play, 
you know what, I'm just gonna ask for the, uh, the altar team just to come on up and help me. We have to go get our kids right now and get ready to, uh, for this next service. So we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately, just to kind of linger. But if you're here this morning and you're honest with yourself and you say, you know what? I've been believing a lie. I need to allow the Holy Spirit in me to prompt me to greatness. I have to get to that place where it's just kind of like, God, I need to be 100% totally radically sold out for you, Lord. Would you allow us this morning to agree with you in prayer? Because once you've given your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you already. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do a whole bunch of stuff to be able to make that happen. He is doing it. He's done it already. The work is finished. But it's just getting in that place and saying, God, you know what? Perhaps the enemy has stolen my hope. And Lord, this morning, you want to reestablish that. And I trust God that you are for me this morning. Can we pray for you? In Jesus' name, come on up. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.